0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you today on our final Sunday celebration of our 75th uh, anniversary. We're so glad you're here, and I hope you really have enjoyed these last a couple of months as we have done a lot of different things together. And you know, um, already this morning, we've kind of had a look um, at the past um, in hearing from Pastor Jack, and then we also had a look at our future with those kids up on the stage. Amen. And uh, we're going to kind of do something a little similar to that um, in our message time. It's a little bit different. Some of you are wondering, how come he doesn't have, like, a Bible up here? And it's because I'm not actually going to be speaking right now. Uh, we're going to kind of have a tag team message today, and uh, we're going to kick it off with a, a message from Brent Ives, who, who is one of our elders, uh, non-staff elders, and also is one of our long-standing uh, members, uh, leaders, leaders. Uh, just all kinds of things here in the history of Southwinds. I'm not going to tell you some of those details. I'm going to let him share that with you. But he has a deep, deep uh, rootage in our church and also a deep love for our church that's just been lived out over the, the course of his life. And so we welcome Brent. And after he is done, um, I'm going to come back up and you get two sermons for the price of one today, okay? All right. So, Brent, come on. Thank you, Pastor.
1: Thank you, Pastor. You know, uh, as I represent the lay elders of our church, and there are four of us that serve into that, one thing we don't get to do enough is thank him. So right now, I want us to thank Pastor Mike for all that he does, week in, week out, work hard, give his life, set his priorities on Southwinds he's got a his family has it's just the journey has been beautiful. And and that's what I'm a little here to talk to a little bit. Now, I've got two books. I know you're afraid, oh my goodness, this guy's going to talk all afternoon. I'm not. I'm not. I've got a an outline that I've been working on to try to stay with so that I can stay focused. But I uh, as Pastor Mike said, I have my family is right over there somewhere, I think. My family and I have been in this church for 47 years. I know a lot of you don't know me, and, and that there's no reason for you to. I don't get around to all of you, but for 47 years, it's been quite a trip. We're so blessed to be here. The church has meant so much to our family, and I'll tell you why. Um, we have three children. They were all born here. They're all part of the Southwinds family. We have eight grandchildren. Many of those were around, and some of them live in San Diego now, but they still call this their church home. Well, they have other churches, but the fact is they have other churches. The fact is that what we intended to do, what we're hoping to intend to do as young parents is to be able to someday 47 years from then to be able to say what we're saying now. Southwinds. Is, the rock, is that piece that held it together. I'll explain. Note the pictures that are running back here. When we first got to Southwinds, they, that was those people. They were standing there with their ties on, and we stood there. And there's one in particular. I guess I can look up there. I don't have to look back. But there's two of them that, uh, that were there when we got there. And those people helped us understand what it means to serve God, what you, what you get out of serving God, what you put into serving God. But those pictures of Southwinds old, they stand alongside with their dresses and their tie, their thin ties, and they, that little church, I can remember climbing up there and changing the lights in that steeple, and on that to say, oh, man, look at it now. It's shining the cross. It's telling everybody that goes up and down Grant Line Road. And if you go up and down Grant Line Road today, I don't know if you know this, it's still there. It looks just like that. It's still preaching that that little piece of property just like this piece of property, just like the next piece of property. It's God's plan. We just get to, we're just role players. in it. What an awesome, wonderful thing. God built this church we're in today with those people. Those people are, are, you could trace our roots right back to them. There have been so many role players. Some of you are visiting today. Thank you for coming. Some of you, you're just now kind of getting into Southwinds and what it's like and what it's going to be to your life. or You're choosing that. And some of you have been around for a long time. And you're, you've put in the, you're putting in the time. You're giving your time, you're, you're sacrificing, you're doing just what those people did, only in 2022, not in 1947. Well, for Linda and I, we grew up local, we grew up poor, and we grew up random. <laughs> random meaning that when we were young, we didn't have good examples of what family was. Not dissing our moms at all, but dads weren't around, and we pretty much could do what we wanted. And sometimes, Linda was the oldest, I was the youngest in my family, I got to do anything I wanted. She, got to, she had to tend to a lot of the kids, and she still does. But, but the point is that, is that we didn't have an example of how it's supposed to be. But in 1965, now, so how far back is that? Before most of you were born. In 1965, a young man named Emil Swift. None of you probably know Emil Swift. But Emil's God of heaven. But he came and he was the most tenacious, picky, pesky little guy. He was 12 years old. And he kept on asking me. Brent, would you come to church with me? Brent, will you go to church with me? Brent, come to this event. Brent, come to that event. 12 years old. I said, Emil, get away. Don't bother me. I don't want to go to church. I'll never go to church with you. Don't bother me when I'm around my friends. Emil, stop. But he didn't stop. Finally, I said, okay, Emil. I'll go to church with you. I'll go to a burger bash, a youth burger bash. Sounds good. I can do that. And I went into town. So we lived way out in the country. I went into town. They had their burger bash. And a couple of those old guys were young guys then. And they had a little message at the end. And they asked the crowd, the kids there, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? I said yes. I don't know why I said yes. Can't really, can't really remember what made my arm go up, but it went up I, like that. But I knew it. Something happened here when that arm went up. I could feel it. I knew it happened. And they marched us in just like they did these kids. They marched us into the big hall where there were probably 20 people sitting. And they said, these kids just accepted Christ in there say, yay! And then I went home, 12 miles out in the River Club, and I never went to church again, because there was no church. I mean, I went to this little Lakeside Ch- Chapel church, and we kind of see, and Linda and I met, Linda and I met, and fast forward 10 years, and we're married, and we're driving. More than that, we had one more step. It's one thing getting married it's a whole nother thing getting pregnant. And all of a sudden, we had something beyond ourselves that we had to be responsible for. And we didn't know how to do it. Well, somehow, God put this very, very young, inexperienced couple in an intersect with this church and those people. And they filled us up. They showed us how the Bible works. They showed us what's important. See, when you're teaching Sunday school, when you're standing out here, when you're talking to your kids here, this is a different place. This is about eternity. This is about how you're going to get from where you're at right now to where they're going to be when they hand it off to their children and their children hand it off to their children it's that rock of Christ. We just sang about how he pursues us. I, Emil Swift me. He did. And it was, it was a wonderful thing. I, some people might remember Emil Swift. I was just thinking of that. But Emil Swift went on to become a pastor, by the way. Go figure. He, we got to see him when he was older. Well, he's the same age as me. Uh <laughs> Yes, we don't talk about age much, but it's okay. I'm the oldest. I and Linda are the oldest, evidently, the oldest living family in Southwinds, which is better than the other option, I suppose. So we were hungry for stability, though. Our, our, this young couple driving around, I said, let's go to that church, because I remembered that building with that cross on it. I re- and we went to that church, and they, they, they just absorbed us. And so we got in the presence of some very wise people, again, some of those in the picks, and we found stability. We found where we were going to find it, at least. We knew we had now something to base our young marriage off of, and it's been something. Over the 47 years, there have been many transitions and shifts and some challenges, through First Southern Baptist Church is what it was first called, the Trinity Baptist Church, when it was next called, and then Southwinds. And sometimes you wondered if it wasn't built on sand, because there was a time when there were only 25 people in church, back in the early 80s. And so it was scary. We thought, oh, well, okay, Lord. But see what happened? People prayed. That's what we did when we were scared, because that's what people should do when they're scared, is Lord, here, we don't know what to do. We don't know how it's going to turn out. But I know Clyde, and I know Henry, and I know Dudley, and I know all those guys, and uh, uh, Vic. I know those guys would love to be here today to see this. Would just be, uh, how did that happen? And there's only one place to point. Looking back clarifies things so much. It's 2020, right? I remember now, oh, okay, I can see how that. Now I can clearly see how in the pathway of Southwinds, how God was clearly in control. And we weren't. It's a good thing no perfect people are allowed here because we were not perfect. We made some big mistakes. We argued over things that had no business being argued over. But God said, nah, I'm in control. I've got plans. These people sitting here today were his plans then. You all here today are his plans from back in 65 and 82 and 93 to reach you, to give you the message, to be able to send out to them. So we're a product of their faithful service. We are here today because people... They, they sacrificed, and they worked, and they had fun together, and they worked together as a family, and God blessed that as we went into each year. So just as God used those faithful servants, he used Emil in 65, he used us over the years. Now, you're today's chapter of the book of Southwinds. You that are here, that's what I'm challenging you with. We have gifted pastors. They're so given to this work. They pray for us. They prioritize their lives around us. They're talented and gifted people, but they don't do it alone. Those aren't all pictures of pastors up there. Those are pictures of people that have served God through this church. Serving God is not an alone activity. So what will it take? What will it take for the next 75 years? Well, I'm here to lay it on you. It's going to take dedication. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take faithful giving. It's going to take time and resources. God's placement and blessing on this church was always intended where the people serve and they work and they play and being a lighthouse for God in this community. See, what Wales has allowed itself to be is worthy of people that need God. Worthy of, to, to, to send people our way. God's not going to just send people our way. Remember, he's in charge. He's not going to send people our way unless this church is worthy to be able to minister to them. So who's going to make it worthy? You, we, together another big team challenge. So think about that, your next-door neighbor. Think about the new couple down the street that don't have stability, that are looking for stability in in their young marriage, or looking to raise children with some sense of basis, some sense of principle these days. I'm here to demonstrate that this is the place to find it. Linda's here to demonstrate this is the place to find it. Our kids are here because we took it serious. We gave and we, we loved every minute of it. We've been so blessed. So keep those pictures in your head as you go. When you go out into the hallway and you talk to people, look at those pictures. Put yourself in their position back in 1948 or 65 and say, you know, they were just like me. They had to give the same thing. They had to hear the same thing from their deacons, probably that you're hearing from me right now. Because that's what it'll take. So if you're visiting, thank you for the indulgence of time. I appreciate it. I know you don't know this place or me. Um, If you're new here, dig in. Give sacrificially. Give your time and your resources. Because This is worth it. This is about God's timing. Let me just read something to you really quickly. And it's back here. I want to make sure I get the reference right. It's back here. And it's in the book of Mark. Matthew, my bad. 7 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever heareth these things, this saying of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him to the wise man, if we should all want to be wise, which built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat down on that house, and it fell not, for it was founded on a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto the foolish man, Which built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell down. And a great fall of it. You see, this is always an opportunity. Every time we come, every time we show up on a Sunday, it's an opportunity to dig deeper, it's an opportunity to do more, it's an opportunity to give sacrificially. That's what it took to get us here, and I think that's what it'll take to be able to look back and for you to be in the pictures 20 years from now. Will the pictures include you 40 years from now, 50 years from now? You be there Emil swift, and you'll be part of the future of this church as well. I want to thank you all for giving me the time. It it means a lot. Pastor Mike, thank you. Think about those old people when you see them. Those people are you in 2023. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Brent, and uh, it's so good to hear the words that he shared. I hope that you will take them to heart. I hope that you will hear and understand, um, and this has just been such a part of why we've done this 75th anniversary celebration, just to remind all of us that we didn't just show up here uh, a few weeks ago or a couple of years ago, that we stand on the shoulders of so many people going back for 75 years, as Brent said, who worked and served and and gave and loved in so many different ways. Well, this is um, final service of our 75th anniversary celebration, and we are now gonna be moving our focus to year 76, uh, to beyond that. And as we do that today, I wanna ask a a real simple question, and, and maybe it's a question you've asked yourself. It's this, how do we change our world? And I think all of us would be united in saying we want to see the world change. I don't think there's anybody here who looks around at our world and says, yeah, it's all good, right? There's so many problems all around us that we face in our world. And so how do we make a difference? And can the world ever really be changed? Can, Can any of us actually make a difference? I think a lot of people look around and they're kind of discouraged, maybe even in despair right now because there are so many problems. I want to start this morning with a story. It's actually a true story. It takes place on a river island in the northeast of India, actually just a few hours from where Dan and I had the privilege of doing some ministry back in 2015, and it takes place on this river island called Majuli Island. And it was once a flourishing paradise for wildlife, but decades of deforestation had really just turned it into a desert. And there was a man living there who was born, who'd grown up there. His name was Jadav Payeng, and he he saw this all happen. And in 1979, he decided to do something about it. He got up one morning uh, before work he walked on his way to work to this, this barren spot on the island and he planted a tree, one little sapling. And that became his daily routine every morning before work for the next 37 years, every morning. And the result of what he did is actually astonishing on that island today, there is now a forest that's twice the size of Central Park in Manhattan. When the vegetation returned to the island, the animals also returned. They started showing up, and there's now a herd of 115 elephants that calls Majuli Island home. There are tigers, and there are rhinos, there's deer. Majuli Island is now a tropical paradise again. How did it happen? Well, one tree at a time, for a lifetime. So how do we change our world? And I think the Bible's answer is similar. One act of service, one conversation, sharing the good news, one heart at a time, year after year after year after year for a lifetime. Maybe you hear this and you think, oh Mike, that's a great story. But you know, the world's a pretty complicated place. a lot more complex than that. I mean, just look at all the things wrong with the world. Just just look at what we see all around us, the injustice and the violence and the poverty and the, the oppression, so many terrible things. And let's just be honest for ourselves as Christians. Right now, we live in a culture that has rejected Christian beliefs, a, a culture that often ridicules people like you and like, like me. We are increasingly marginalized. So, so how are we supposed to respond? There's a lot of people actually right now, if you are paying attention, that are telling us as Christians that basically we, we need to take up arms. We need to fight. And So as Christ followers, we have to ask the question, What does Jesus tell us to do? What what does Jesus tell us about changing a world like ours? And does he actually say anything that applies to a culture like the one we live in and our role in that culture where we are increasingly marginalized? Good news is Jesus actually says something that applies. He actually tells us something that really makes a difference for us today you go back to the time Jesus lived 2,000 years ago and you look at the country where he lived and here's the reality. His people were living under the military domination of the Roman Empire. And there was poverty and there was injustice. There, there was violence. There was economic oppression. There was religious oppression. And many people then were living in despair. Some people then were getting militant just like today. Today. Many people were praying and were were begging God, God, please send us Messiah, that promised warrior king that you said would come one day and would restore our kingdom and make it a kingdom of God again. And then one day Jesus shows up and Jesus says, that's me, I'm Messiah. And here's his very first message. It's right at the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter one, verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I want you to say that word kingdom out loud with me. Would you do that? Kingdom. Let's do it again. Kingdom. This is what Jesus called his movement. It's the word that he used to describe his his movement far more than any other word. In fact, in the four Gospels, you can go check it out sometime, he uses this word more than a hundred times. He says, my movement is a kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Now back in Jesus' day when people heard this word kingdom, they thought of soldiers and swords they they thought of political maneuvering of military power and victory but Jesus said let me explain to you what my kingdom the kingdom of god is actually like and he says it's not like that not like that at all he said the kingdom of god isn't like mustering swords rather he says in Matthew chapter 13 the kingdom of heaven it's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches." I would imagine that a lot of you, maybe like me, those of us who have lived in California, those of us who'd ever seen a redwood tree, I actually have one in my yard. If you have seen a redwood tree, you may hear those words and you may be thinking, wait a minute, that, that's not true. Uh, mustard bushes are not bigger than redwood trees, right? But here's what Jesus was talking about. He's not talking about height. He's actually talking about spread, And even today, if you you go to Israel in the spring, you will see mustard plants carpeting the hillside, and no one planted them, no one tends them, they, they just grow, they're on every hillside, they're down in every valley, and they color the world. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He is saying the kingdom of God grows, but it happens slowly, it happens inexorably, it happens eventually universally. And he says that is how God is changing the world. It's like mustard plants covering the earth. And then Jesus says this, just the very next verse, still Matthew 13, this is verse 33. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it wor- worked all through the dough. Just a little bit of yeast. So what is he saying with these two images, these two parables, with the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the yeast. He's telling us that this is what the kingdom of God is like, that the kingdom of God starts small and it grows slowly. And and think about what he's describing here. Think about a mustard seed. Does a mustard seed make a noise when it grows? Think about yeast. Does yeast make a noise? Do those things like, you know, grab headlines Will mustard seeds and and yeast, you know, attract millions of followers on Instagram or TikTok? Does this sound, what Jesus is describing, anything like protests or political campaigns or military attacks? And the answer, obviously, is no. You can almost not tell that anything is happening right until the bread rises, until the world is covered with a yellow carpet. Here's another way to look at it. We, we play the long game. Yeast spreads slowly. Mustard plants grow slowly. And Jesus is saying, this is the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying to his followers, you are part of a movement and you are changing the world. But what's interesting to think about this picture is that it's, it's not up to any of us individually. And, and that ought to be an incredible relief, right? Some of you should just sigh with relief right now. Because it's not up to just you. You're, you're, you're part of a team here in a church family we call Southwinds, but you're not only part of a team here at Southwinds. You're part of a movement, and it's a global movement, and it's an historical movement going back 2,000 years and, and counting still, And all of this tells us that the yeast that we contribute, that the seeds that we plant, those those things in us can make an impact and that impact can go on beyond us. It can go on into the future. It can actually even go on out into eternity. See, Jesus is saying that's the way it works. That is how it happens And in his context, again, think about it. There was the Roman Empire there. There had never been an empire that dominated the world like the Roman Empire did. People had tried, many of them, to fight valiantly against the Roman Empire. Every single one of them had been defeated. And Jesus says, I come and I'm bringing a kingdom. But he says, my kingdom is gonna come like little seeds. It's gonna come like like yeast. And it's gonna spread slowly and it's going to grow And it's eventually going to completely change the world. Now, I have another question for you, and it's real simple. Was Jesus right or was he wrong when he said this? There's a man named Bart Ehrman who is a professor of religious history at the University of North Carolina. He's actually written six New York Times bestsellers. And Bart Ehrman is actually an atheist, he is not a Christian. But this is what he writes in one of his books. This book is titled The Triumph of Christianity, How a Forbidden Religion Swept the World. Here's his conclusion. And remember, he's not writing as a Christian. He says, Christianity was a revolution that not only took over an empire, it radically altered the lives of those living in it. And he is specifically talking historically about what happened in the about 300 years after Jesus was crucified, after Jesus ascended to heaven, after uh, after Jesus sent the Holy Spirit back down on the day of Pentecost when the church was founded. For the next 300 years, the church grew until in the early fourth century until it became the official religion of the Roman Empire. Christianity took over an entire empire uh, this this uh, scholar says it radically altered the lives of those living in it. Watch this, he writes again, it affected government practices, art, literature, music, philosophy, and the very understanding of billions of people about what it means to be human. It was the most monumental cultural transformation the world has ever seen, So was Jesus right? This tiny movement that he began, did it change the empire? Did the yeast spread all through the dough? Did the mustard seed grow and spread and cover the earth? Answer, absolutely, yes. So when we talk about how do we change the world. We need to remember it can happen. In fact, it, it did happen. And so what I am saying to us today, Southwinds, as we enter year 76, let's do it again, amen? See, I'm hearing more and more people asking as they look around at this culture, just wondering, what is it gonna take? What is it going to take to bring revival to our, our nation, spiritually speaking? What is it gonna take to bring revival to where we live, to Tracy Mountain House and Lathrop? And just a quick show of hands, how many of you, like, you want to see spiritual revival where you live, in your neighborhoods, in your communities, in your cities? How many of you? Raise your hands. See, we want this. We want this. We would, we would love to see it. And, and the reason is we know that we have what people need, right? We have the good news, We have the gospel. We have the truth, the reality that God has sent his only son, Jesus, to reveal the Father to us and then to die the death on the cross that we deserve, paying for our sins, taking God's judgment against our sin for us. And then Jesus rising again from the dead, showing, demonstrating that he had defeated sin and death. And it is all so that we, you and I, so that we could be forgiven our sins, so that that we could be adopted into the family of God. And how many of you, I just wonder, you just long to have a family. You know, Brent talked about that, how it was for him and Linda. They, They grew up. 50 years ago, more. They they grew up in broken homes. They didn't know what that was like. And God brought them to our church and they found a spiritual family. They found a forever family. God has done that for some of you and there may be someone here right now and God wants to do that for you. And you can experience it if you will receive the good news. God has done all of these things so we can be part of his family. He has done all of these things so that he could give us the gift of eternal life. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? See, we have, we have the truth that the world needs. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. We are free in Christ. We don't have to be slaves to sin any longer. We can walk in that freedom. We can share that freedom with the people around us. So the question really is, how do we do that? How do we get that message out to, that, to our world? And I think Jesus is telling us through these pictures, these parables, that we are to follow him, and we are to follow him faithfully. And if I can go back to that original story we can put it like this, that means that you and I, each of us, we need to plant trees. We need to keep planting trees every day, one tree at a time, in one life at a time, for a lifetime, all over the course of our lives. I mean, just think back these last few weeks. We have been talking on Sundays about who we are. This series of messages is called This Is Us. And we've been talking about this throughout this 75th celebration, you know, going to God's word, just reminding ourselves of our mission. And maybe you remember back in September, we talked one Sunday about who is your one, about how God has called us to. Uh, identify someone in our lives that we are just really focused on praying for so that they will come to faith in Christ. You know, over 150 of you actually committed to doing that and you, you put a name up on that who's your one prayer wall and you've been praying for that person and hopefully seeking opportunities to share the gospel with your one as God opens doors. And I'm just asking you today, will you keep on praying for your one? Or will you give up? Will you give up? Will you keep on planting seeds and trust God with the harvest? Will you keep on sharing? And I don't know, but maybe God brought you here today just to encourage you to keep going and keep praying and keep seeking those opportunities, keep on planting those seeds, keep on asking for those opportunities and see when God opens the doors, you, you go through those doors, like remember, we're we're playing the long game, right? In October, we we talked about serving, about serving with a smile, about about serving and meeting the needs of others around us. And some of those needs, of course, are here within our church family. You know, here on this campus on Sundays throughout the week. Some of those needs are out in our neighborhoods, out in our communities, as represented by that a seventy fifth anniversary light board that we have about community engagement. And we saw on that Sunday when we looked at God's word how Jesus, God's only son, Jesus our savior and Lord, Jesus creator of the whole universe, how he humbled himself and, and he, he served, he washed dirty feet, even washing the feet of his enemy who was about to betray him, Judas. Thinking about service, how, how many of you have found that serving can be hard? How, how many of you have found that serving can sometimes is kind of boring. How many of you have found when you're serving that sometimes you look around as you're doing service, whatever it may be, and you find yourself wondering, am I making a difference? Does this even matter? Why am I why, why doing this? And I don't know, but maybe God brought you here today to tell you that he is calling you to serve and to keep on serving, to not quit serving, to keep loving others, to keep giving your life away, to put others before yourself. Maybe God called you here today to call you back into the serving game because you used to serve and you're not doing it anymore. And the truth is you can't play the long game if you're not even in the game. We, we talked during this season also about the importance of faithful giving about how God uses our, our treasures as a test and I'm not gonna go into detail right now but the reality is we have some real significant challenges that are ahead of us in terms of finances and I just wanna ask you to consider this. Will we play the long game with our giving? Will we, and I'm asking you, will we live for eternity and not just for today in terms of what we, we do with what we give away. And then last week, if you were here, maybe you remember we talked about prayer. We talked about the kind of praying that makes history. We talked about how how we should always pray and never give up. And I'm just wondering, maybe, maybe God wants you to take what you learned last week about praying and he wants to tell you that your prayers are like mustard seeds, That your prayers are like yeast and sometimes it can seem like your praying doesn't matter, like your praying doesn't make a difference, but you need to remember we're playing the long game. And we could go on and on and on talking about this, but this is how, do you see it? It's how we change our world. One prayer at a time, one sacrificial gift at a time, one act of service at a time, one gospel conversation at a time. We obey, and we keep obeying, and we keep obeying, and then we obey some more, and through it all, God is at work. God is growing his kingdom. I want to take you back to that story I told you at the beginning about how Jada of Paing, uh, planted a tree every day for almost 40 years. As we bring this 75th anniversary celebration to a conclusion, I'm announcing to you today that we are going to embark on a project. And, and, and honestly, I'm super excited about this project. It is a project that I want to invite you to participate in. I hope that many of you will join with, and here's what it is. We're we're not just going to like plant trees metaphorically. We're also also going to start planting some actual trees here on our property. Over the next uh, year, we hope to plant 75 trees. We're actually going to do this for a few reasons. I think obviously, uh, at kind of just a basic level, it'll beautify our campus. It's part of kind of a long-term vision for what we wanna be here on this property. It'll help to create the kind of setting we desire to have that supports ministry, but far more than that, so much, so much more beyond that, I am praying that the trees that we plant will remind us like every Sunday, every time we come on this campus, they will remind us and then they will keep on reminding us next year and the year after that and out into the future, they will remind us of our mission. They will remind us of how God works to build his kingdom, how God is always at work, how his kingdom is always growing There's an old saying, maybe you've heard it before, that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. You ever heard that? The saying continues, the second best time to plant a tree is today. And we wanna start planting trees for the glory of God today. Now, we're not just gonna do this randomly. We've actually secured a landscape design that's gonna Help us get going, and and we're going to begin in the area that's kind of just to this side, the south side of our courtyard. Um, You know, just beyond, it's kind of going into the area that we sometimes park, heading over towards uh, the sprung building. That's where it's going to begin, and we're going to start planting these trees. And eventually, we believe we're going to have a new gathering area under some shaded trees. We're going to have new pathways that help connect our three buildings together. There's going to be some shade um, that'll that'll be On the playground for the kiddos when they're playing. And then we're gonna we're gonna move out across our campus um, into other areas, planting new trees that will beautify our campus and that will hopefully keep on reminding us of our mission. And our our plan um, is very specific that we will utilize only trees that are native to our part of the valley. There's a lot of really practical reasons for that. It it helps them to thrive. Uh, it also saves on water and in maintenance, and uh, there will be, for those of you who know trees, and and, and by the way, um, if you don't care about trees, just kind of keep it to yourself right now, okay? <laughs> but those of you who know trees, there's going to be valley oaks and western red buds. There's going to be California lilac trees, Catalina cherry trees. These are all natives to our area. There's going to be white alder and Palo Verde and Desert willow trees, among others, and all of these trees are going to begin to grow in our property, and there's going to be some environmental benefits, yes, but most importantly, my prayer as your pastor is that these trees, when you see them, will be physical reminders that will keep on every time calling us to our mission of planting the kingdom of God and how we must be faithful and how we must keep on following and keep on serving and keep on giving and keep on obeying one day at a time for all of our lifetime. But this is not gonna happen without you. And we want everyone who can to participate. And if you're asking how, um, I will tell you, if you're not asking how, too bad you're here, I'm gonna tell you too. Um, but uh, we're just asking everyone who is willing to consider giving above and beyond to help buy and get these trees planted. And to cover uh, the cost of the trees and some other necessary supplies that it'll take to get them in the ground, we, we estimate it's gonna cost uh, around $200 for each tree just to give you a benchmark. We also plan to purchase um, up to around five larger trees that will bring immediate impact, that will help like anchor the landscape plan and, and just really get it going in some ways. These larger trees are, are gonna cost around $1,500. And so I'm gonna go first. Uh, Dan and I have been praying about this, talking about this, and we've decided that we're gonna purchase six trees in honor of our six grandkids. And if you have been paying attention, you're going, wait, you only have five, right? Yeah, we only have five. Applause um, We only have five, but in about six weeks, we're gonna have a six, and so we're just gonna go ahead and do that. Um, And so I just wanna invite you to join in. However God leads, um, whatever God is saying to you, uh, we've already got it set up on our app that you can designate giving to planting trees um, of any amount. You don't have to give $200. Any way you wanna participate will be appreciated and will make a difference And over the next couple of months, um, we want to do as much of this as we can. It's going to be a labor of love from the Southwinds family. We're not going to hire a bunch of people to come in and do this for us. We're going to be having days and we're going to be having times uh, where we get some trees planted. And then we're going to need some people who are willing to step up and serve for a period of time uh, to volunteer and like help keep the trees watered and, and 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 staked and all of the things you need to do in our area until they are are well established. So we'll be talking about this more uh, in the weeks and months ahead. And uh, just to give you a preview, uh, in 2023, early in the year, I'm I'm working on a message that I that I hope to share with you um, about trees and about God's creation and about the role of the trees in the works of God's hands. And I think when you hear this message from the word of God, you'll understand more uh, about why I'm very excited for us to undertake this project uh, of planting trees. So, Southwinds. God has been so very good to us, amen? Over these last 75 years, I am excited to stand before you and tell you, I can't wait to see how he's going to bless, how he's going to provide, all that he's going to do in year 76. How about you? Will you join in? Will you, will you be part of what God is doing? And even though your, your part may feel to you like it's really, really small, remember your part's like mustard seed, your part's like yeast, your part's like, like planting trees, things that though they start really small, things that though they, they grow really slowly under the power of God's spirit, they, they are things that can have a powerful and even an eternal impact in God's plan, building God's kingdom. You know, sometimes we can look around at our world and evil seems to be winning, right? Right? It can be really easy to get discouraged. And the truth is, let's look back for 2,000 years. It's been like that oftentimes. Even if you go back to the beginning of, uh, of the building of Jesus' kingdom, you remember how it all started? Jesus was killed. Do you remember 10? 10, 10 of the original 12 apostles were, 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 were killed for their, their faith during those first early decades of the movement. It, it seemed in the short run like they'd lost. But don't forget, we play the long game. And in the long run, what happened? Well, (laughs) that Roman Empire, so dominant, so powerful, so overwhelming. Well, today, right, the headquarters of the Roman Empire, it's just rubble-filled, ruined tourist attractions. And the little movement that Jesus started, over two and a half billion people and counting. See, we serve a God who, is building his kingdom. And we know that God's kingdom in the end wins. And so Southlands, we share the good news. We we, we serve in love. We give sacrificially. We pray and we plant some trees. We plant some trees. We just keep on doing whatever Jesus commands each of us to do. We obey him because he is our Lord. And we do it one tree at a time day after day, for a lifetime. And that, that is how we change the world. This is God's word for us today, South winds, Will you join me in saying amen? amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, we thank you that um, You've given us the gift of eternal life by your grace. Lord, as a family in this church, we thank you for your faithfulness to us for 75 years. And Father, we wanna ask you that you would just keep changing the world through us in the years that are ahead. We pray that we will just keep planting trees one at a time, one day at a time, in one life at a time. And just watch as you work and you change the world. Father, I'm so grateful for the privilege of being able to serve in a church family that, that loves you, that, that longs for you to change the world. And Lord, together we, we give ourselves to you once again and we do it for your kingdom. And we do it in your son's name. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people together said, amen.